Hey, everybody. This is Melissa McKenzie, uh, publisher for the American Spectator, joined with Scott McKay, who is the awesome editor and also the editor-in-chief over at his two properties, Reviver.com and also The Hayride. Yeah. And uh, yeah. he and I are both Southerners and suffering Southerners here, me in Texas and Houston, where yesterday it was 109 in the shade. I'll just say that in the shade. And uh, uh, today it's a little bit better. And you're roasting over there in um, New Orleans. And we Baton have been Rouge. told. Baton Rouge. Oh, Baton Rouge. We have been told, Scott, uh, that global warming is the cause of our pain. But you disagree with that uh, sum uh, summary or. Well, I, okay, so, and you can Google this if you like, and you can, you can look it up and you can check for yourself. I am not a weatherman, I'm not a climate expert, um, but I do find things that uh, the legacy corporate media and the regime don't really want you to know. Um, and one of the things that I have found that is documentable and true, it just wasn't heavily reported was that in September of last year, the, if I, if I get this thing correctly, uh, the Hunga Tonga Hunga Haapa volcano off the, in the Pacific Ocean, off the coast of the island of Tonga. Wait a minute. Did you just say all that from memory? Yes. Oh my God. I had, I had, to, look, I had to look it up a little while ago. If you're actually right about that, like all the details. I haven't, I haven't written about it yet. Um, I wrote about it on Facebook, but the Hunga Tonga Hunga Haapa volcano okay. off the coast of Tonga in the Pacific Ocean in September of this year blew up in a massive, massive, massive eruption. And okay. when it did, it put um, a record amount of steam, water vapor, into the stratosphere. So much so that there is now 10% more water vapor in the atmosphere than there was a year ago. Okay, now water vapor is the number one greenhouse gas in the atmosphere. All right, so it stands to reason that- steam. You're just saying uh, steam. steam. Yes. Okay. Very high volcanic eruption makes the, turns the water into steam. The steam mm -hmm. rises. It's very, very hot. So it rises very, very high. And it takes it a long time to condense and fall back down to earth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now you have a large amount of water vapor in the atmosphere, 10% more than you had last year, which mm -hmm. is a greenhouse gas, which makes earth a little warmer. Okay, now, apparently, uh, this has kind of sort of gathered in a belt around the equator, so mm -hmm. that in the northern hemisphere, the more southern you are, the hotter the summer this is going to be. Now, mm -hmm. couple that, Melissa's in Texas, I'm in Louisiana. Uh, she's in Southeast Texas, which is a similar climate to Louisiana. Typically speaking, what we get in the summer, July and August, most specifically, is it'll heat up, but then around about two o'clock in the afternoon, the clouds form and the rain comes and we get these right. torrential summer afternoon thunder showers that make everything sticky and gross, but it never really gets above 90, 92. Well, it's above 100 
uh, I've got 98 right now here in Baton Rouge. Well, this is warmer than that because we've got a hot, dry air blasting in from the West thanks to El Nino, which is pretty strong this year. Um, and meanwhile, like in Georgia, um, it's not as hot because it rains every afternoon. So like they're getting our weather um, and we'd actually like it back at least for a little bit. We need um, some rain. Uh, we yeah, uh, we, we haven't had rain here in two months easily. Yeah, it's a, like drought conditions here as well, which in South Louisiana, you, I mean, That's like crazy. we think of as a drought, a lot of other people are like, yeah, you know what you're talking about. Right. Um, but, you know, we've had wildfires in South, especially in North Louisiana um, this summer because it has been so dry. So um, it's a different weather pattern, but it's caused by a volcanic eruption. Um, which has done, you know, it's water vapor, but like put more greenhouse gas into the atmosphere than anything man could ever have done. Um, I mean, well, there's a lot more water vapor than there is carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And this just made 10% more of it. Right. Um, you know, they're talking about uh, a change in the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. I think it was like from 0.25% to 0.4% and saying that that has changed global climate when one volcanic eruption in september of last year changed the amount of water vapor to you know 10 percent more than it was before mm. yeah okay like you're starting to see what the power of nature is to shape climate i don't and think hey scott i don't think this now. I, I don't think scott we're i don't think we're starting to see it i think anyone with a brain has always known that like sure. you know like if okay. you look at the Fair weather enough. patterns and and uh based on the sun you know just the well, sun I've, I've always said that right like this right. giant ball of nuclear fusion explosions in the sky and right. somehow you think that that giant ball of nuclear uh, fusion explosions is going to have you know like a level amount of activity right. all the time right like like one year it's not going to be more nuclear explosions than the next it's going to be the same number of nuclear explosions every year right. 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 Otherwise, you know, but if you drive your SUV across <laughs> the state, well, that'll change it. And it's like, you know, I, we need to do a, a podcast at some point on magical thinking. <laughs> right. And just like all of the different ways that you're being propagandized to believe things that are patent nonsense. Right. Right. Everything about the climate deal is patent. I mean, we're having a hot summer. There is a right. non, you know, climate theory, global warming, freaking magical, you know, hocus pocus reason why the planet is warmer this year than last year. And it's a perfectly understandable um, phenomenon that nobody in the legacy media was reporting. Like just uh, it's some volcano, whatever. Right. And then right. The thing, no, actually, it has an effect on temperature because. Uh, what was it when Krakatoa blew up in the early 19th, 1826, 1828, something like that? I mean, the entire planet cooled off by like six or eight degrees for the next two years because there was so much dust in the atmosphere right. and it blocked out the sun, right? Well, so the, volcanoes the will thing do this. Didn't the same thing happen with like Mount St. Helens here? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... 
the the thing is with this guy. Well, I, like I, like I go back to when I was a kid, and you know, Rush Limbaugh made a massive deal about this, and he was so right. And you know, Mount Pinatubo in the Philippines. Right. And this is when we were talking about CFCs, and you can't mm. use an aerosol can because you know the hole in the ozone layer and all. Right. Right. And then Mount Pinatubo in the Philippines blows up, and it's a massive volcanic eruption belches out more CFCs in one volcanic eruption right. than in the entire history of human activity, right. you know, to that point. Um, you know, and it's like the planet kind of survived it. And now they never talk about the hole in the ozone layer. Right. Exactly. Well, it was a magical thing that just uh, died. Now, here's the thing. And I want to make this contrast because this is where I think conservatives can sometimes go wrong because climate change that whole thing is baloney. But what, but what isn't really adequately addressed and what should be the discussion um, and is kind of, but really should be the focus, which is just uh, taking care of what we're given. Like sure. making sure that we are tending to and not dumping stuff and being you know, like I, I was thinking back to like the 1970s when everybody made their orange ju juice out of cans. Kids don't remember this because you just buy a plastic bottle of ready-made orange juice. But right. back in the old days, it was a lot more efficient and you had glass bottles for milk and you had this. And uh, there's a lot of ways that we're doing things that if the younger generation who cares so much about the climate really wanted to, could go back to some of these things, use less of the sure. the, the plastics well, and stuff. That's right. Well, and, you didn't have the you didn't have the availability of the materials back then that you have right. now. So, like, you would put your milk bottles out, and the milkman would come collect your old milk bottles because they would reuse them, and he would drop you new ones. Yeah. You know, now, well, are they a gallon jug? Because I want a gallon jug. And if you had a glass gallon jug, you'd probably drop it because it's heavy and break right. it on the floor. And so what's the point? But um, yeah, like, you know, all of that stuff is different. And, um, you know, we use, I mean, we're a culture that uses plastic when we don't even have to. Right. Um, largely because plastic is awesome. I mean, let's face it. Well, and it's cheap and it's easy. It's cheap and it's easy. And in a lot of cases, plastic is actually, I mean, you know, like I love glass, but for, you know, everyday use, plastic is better than glass. Plastic doesn't break. And when it does, it's not that big a deal, right? You know, glass, it's like, well, there's going to be shards on this floor that you didn't get to, and you're going to cut your foot six weeks later. It's like, <laughs> well, it's my plastic. So, you know, um, but I guess I'm just saying that, you know, climate change is one of those things that is way out there that people talk about, but actually, you know, and it's not as sexy to pick up trash by the side of the road, right. but that actually makes a difference. And that is yeah. something that you can do to make a difference. And so like we have young people who are offing themselves because they think the world is going to end because of climate change. And it's not that it's not going to happen. You right. could make a difference if you really wanted to. Well, and... the, like climate and the environment are separate things and they should be understood as such, right? And they've been kind of conflated and confused so that people think they're environmentalists when they're climate nuts. And yet right. nothing they're actually doing is good for the environment, particularly like, for example, 
um, you know, I was at a, a, a breakfast this morning and the topic came up and it was, you know, these solar farms that are mm. popping up all over the place and people are converting farmland into, you know, they're just going to put, you know, rows and rows and rows of solar panels um, on the ground and use up perfectly good farmland, you know, for mm-hmm. materials that when you try to get rid of solar panels, I mean, that's hazardous waste that you've got to clean up and it's a complete mess. You know, it's like, oh, but it's good for the environment. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, it's very, I mean, it's except, I mean, the materials that are strip mined to produce these solar panel. I mean, nothing about that is good for the environment. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, you're not even producing electricity efficiently. You know, I mean, everything about this is, you know, is, is, uh, is, it's bad for the environment. It's bad economics, it's bad business. And yet, you know, this is like the fad that all the landowners want to do this. You know, and I'm like, this, I mean, we're, pay, we're going to pay a massive price in the environmental aspect of this, right. as opposed to, you know, we're trying to save the climate when it's pretty obvious that that's a joke. You know, and then in the real test of this, like if you want to get in arguments with people on the left, for example, is, you know. Oh, just, but I want to. That just makes sense. Of course my you do. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I don't want to. Oh, you don't. Yeah, well, it's not a pleasant experience. No, though. it's not. It's a waste of time. You might as well talk well, to the wall. Yes, but you can confuse the wall very much when you say, um, okay, so here's something we can agree on, which is that we should start imposing massive taxes on our tariffs on China um, because their carbon footprint is way, way, way disproportionate to their economic activity and even their population. Like China is the number one emitter of carbon dioxide and it's not even funny so maybe we should start imposing tariffs to force them into the same kind of complaints which is not actually a climate change argument it's a straight up economic argument which Mm -hmm. is that hey we can onshore a lot of these jobs and we can sort of decouple ourselves from china as you know the the major major piece of our supply chain which trump you know fought to do for his four years of president and that's all gone now we're back on on the 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 china uh, addiction and it needs to be broken like asap because we're waking up to all kinds of things they make all of our pharmaceuticals they make they they make like way more stuff for our military Mm. than anybody would have ever imagined and it's like, well, how does this even happen? So anyway, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's put ch- tariffs on China based on their carbon footprint. And, you know, you surely would be for that, seeing as though they're the people that produce, you know, all the carbon dioxide. And we, you know, we, first of all, you're going to get total blank stare look like, huh? Okay. And then, you know, and then secondly, the objections you start to get smoke out exactly who these people are, because the real you know, like heavy, heavy, heavy climate activist type people, like the people who do this stuff for a living, mm-hmm. like they don't want to tell you who pays for them. Um, but this is a way to find out without even having the admission because, and this has been the case for a very long time, particularly all these climate people, but a lot of these, you know, like far out environmentalist people, that money's coming in from overseas. It funds mm-hmm. 
course. I mean, of course. You know the Russians funded all the anti-fracking stuff in Europe. They funded mm -hmm. some of it here. You know, we know that the freaking uh, shakes in Abu Dhabi funded that stupid Matt Damon and freaking anti-fracking movie a few years mm -hmm. back. Like, mm -hmm. we know these things are true. And all of these climate change, it's all Chinese money. Right. So, you know, and it's like, okay, well, hey, let's do the tariffs on China. And then they're like, ah, you said nothing, but you said a lot. Right. Well, the thing is, this is all about telling the, the bad people. And the bad people are the, all the ones not, who are not in church. So it's all about telling the bad people what to do with their life. That's what all of this leftism is about. When you boil it down. Wear a mask because I said so, and it makes me feel more comfortable. And let's not even talk about like how many masks are in landfills now because of all of this debacle. Like you know, those things take like three hundred years to break down or something crazy. And so, like you have, that's all, all. All it's about It's about feeling morally superior. The left has become the amen pew in church, the the knitting circle, basically. Uh, getting in every aspect of our lives and um, trying to mess with it. Um, yeah. So, it, which is spawning anger amongst the people who are having this foisted on them. Yep. And um, when they know that it's not, it doesn't work and it's stupid. And it's just one part of the uh, liturgy from the left which is climate change is part of it, um, you know, like doing your part, you know, and then uh, ignoring the needs of the uh, people who used to have jobs and who no longer have jobs because they've been, you know, shipped away and uh, basically creating a politics, a politic um, a, a, for two constituencies those who are reliant on the government and those for whom view themselves as the rulers and kind of the oligarchy who can right. tell everybody else how to live. And there's a lot of people who are like aspire to be on that side. And so that's why we're getting, you know, regulations about, about stoves and it's just invasive everywhere in, in the average person's life. Meanwhile, uh, through inflation, they're making everybody poor um, yeah. be because they flooded the the uh, money into the system. And who benefited? Well, one end over here and the, you know, rich people over here and the middle had a little bit of extra spending money for a while, but now we're getting hammered with inflation. So it was, it tasted good for the moment, but it's not great now. And so what this is spawning is you know, anger and frustration. And we're seeing these populist movements. Trump was pre-COVID, this was an issue. Right. Post-COVID. a ton of it in Europe with riots mm -hmm. and like the Dutch farmers and everything that's happened in France and some of these other places. Right. We before saw it. You, with... Before you go where you're going. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to throw one more thing in because okay. uh, I, I wanted to, I, I, at one point, I wanted to bring this up for a separate topic, but I'm just going to throw the fact out there. There's a graph, um, and I think what we'll do is we'll we'll plug it into the the write up that we do with this thing um, that shows by decade the amount of new housing built in the United States. Mm 
-hmm. single family homes, um, which in the 2010 to 2020 decade fell off the table. Okay. Like completely fell off the table. Really? Um, yeah. And, you know, some of that was a uh, great recession and the, you know, the financial market. World. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. some of that was a hangover from that, mm -hmm. but it never really picked back up mm. in the latter part of that decade when the great recession was over. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a lot of this is particularly in urban areas. Um, you know, you just, you can't build the new subdivision because of water restrictions mm -hmm. and all, like all of these other things. Um, and so this is happening at the same time, particularly over the last several couple, three or four years, um, six to 8 million illegals and another 3 million legal immigrants. So you got like 10 million new people in the mm -hmm. country um, competing for less housing that's available, um, you know, at, at a time when a city like Detroit, for example, is bulldozing mm. crack houses because they've so destroyed the, the, the residential base mm. of these urban areas. Mm -hmm. And so you have less and less housing. And I mean, of course, the inflation in housing is going to go off, um, which it has. And now there's no such thing as a starter home anymore. So you've well, there, got you know, I have to say that one of the reasons why Texas is probably booming and doing better than other places is we have from coast to coast, to, from the mountains to the Gulf, we have building, 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 going crazy. Right. The thing that makes me concerned, and we have these, they're really being innovative with these starter homes. They're like a home, you have a property and you, it's it's like kind of the old track housing in a way from the fifties, where you could probably open the window and yell into your, like reach in, you know, like you, the kids could put a two by four and have their animals run back and forth. You're that close. However, it's great because if you are starting out and you are new, you can own a piece of property that will, you know, appreciate. And then you own, it's an ownership society, which is great. The thing that's making me a little nervous is the housing market, I feel, seems to be slowing down a bit. And I'm like, if it's slowing down in Texas, this is not good. We'll see. We'll see. I, well, I mean, it depends on the tier of housing that you're talking about, right? Because if you don't build enough new, like, starter homes, mm -hmm. right, then the price of a starter home rises. Right. Okay, but then sort of the, you know, three to $500,000 houses, that kind of drops off because right. um, the people who've been living in those starter homes are, have, are so house poor, they don't build enough wealth or equity to be able to move into that next house. Right. Um, and then, you know, so what you have is a weak housing market on the, in sort of the mid tier. And when you have a weak housing market, people can't sell their houses. You don't have people, new people moving in, want to renovate the place, whatever. So that housing stock kind of goes to hell mm -hmm. because, you know, like if people aren't putting money into their house as an investment, they oftentimes will let it run down, right? Mm -hmm. So these are not as nice a right. bunch of houses. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, here you have the Black Rocks, the Vanguards, mm -hmm. the State Streets, the Berkshire Hathaways, rolling in 
grabbing up all the housing stock that they can so that they can make renters of us all because they've realized, hey, that's a pretty good, stable, you know, income producing investment. I think that slowed down though. I think they've eased off that because they've been bit in a couple places now. Well, that's true, but they still own a gargantuan share of residential real estate in this country. And it's not just apartment complexes like it used to be. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and then in doing that, you've now priced the small investor who's going to, you know, go pick mm-hmm. up a bunch of properties around town and, right. you know, have rental income and mm-hmm. like, you know, they price those guys out of the market because Berkshire or, or BlackRock or whoever can get mm-hmm. far, far, far better mortgage rates than, you know, Tom mm-hmm. Smith, who, you know, is going to buy a couple properties. He can't compete with that because it's reflected in the rent. Right. So, I mean, yeah. you know, like it's one more example of you've got too much money, you know, congregating in too few hands and it's creating disruptions in the in the economy that create this angst and this misery and, and um, you know, this feeling that you can't get ahead and that there's no social mobility left in the country. Well, which is going to social- make people angry, frustrated and, and, and disaffected. So it's not just social mobility. It's it's the ability to pay the bills you do have. Well, yeah, and when it gets with, really bad. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So like we have that video of that lady from Canada who is crying in her car after working so hard and she's getting making good money, $34 an hour and or it used to be good money. It's not now. We don't know and, how many hours she's working, but 34 well, bucks an hour should work. be pretty good she's working full time. So, you know, like we figured out her salary, she, you know, it's above average and she's struggling. Yeah. And, um, I feel her pain, you know, like when she was saying that she only buys food the week that her daughter is with her and then, you know, buys a loaf of bread to try to struggle through the other week. It's just, you know, the misery and sadness is just, terrible and so like there seems to be this real uh disconnect what was the new york times had an article about how great all this uh immigration was for the cheap labor and you know they they're fill- they can keep the restaurants open for the rich people and stuff and it's just like you know there's i, I got irritated with uh G.W. Bush, because I felt like the Bushes were kind of possessed of this noblesse oblige where they they uh, kind of condescended to the little people and they don't know how to like live their lives and, you know, we must take care of them. But the only thing worse than that is now the complete indifference to hostility and hostility. I mean, it, this yeah, is much yeah. more hostility than indifference. Because yeah, you're right. When you bring in 6 million illegals, mm-hmm. everyone in America, okay, everyone in America, from Eric Adams to Ted Cruz, okay, is screaming that this has got to stop, and right. it doesn't stop. Um, and, uh, you know. Um, the elites are redistributing the widgets that they consider the working class to be. And so they want to keep, the business owners want to keep uh, wages low and and um, and flood and and dilute uh, the 
social fabric in the kind of the community and what it means to be an American to the extent that it just breaks. The same well, thing is it, happening in Europe so that you can't, so then you don't have a uh, popular or kind of middle um, and working class who has a cohesive set of values who would, who would fight this. So what they're trying to do, because the, these people are angry and, and sad and frustrated. You, you shared a song, um, I forget the name of it. Um, Richmond, North of Richmond. Richmond, North of Richmond, which kind of captures this uh, angst and this frustration. And, um, and that makes the people in charge very nervous. And it makes the kind of people who view themselves as elite um, feel like, well, you know, just just learn to code, right? That was the thing. Then when all the journalists lost their jobs and people said that on Twitter, the uh, little crappy people running the place would suppress that because that was being mean to journalists. But it's okay to say to the working class, you know, learn to co make make your life better. And as you so um, eloquently pointed out before we got on here, here's this guy singing on property homes. What's he going to do? Where's he going to go? And what sh what should he do? And why should he have to um, do what these people are saying? There should, you know, there it's you yank the bottom out of the the lives of these people, and then you tell them to fix it. Yeah, well, and, and specifically what we're talking about here is sort of that famous Kevin Williamson column at National Review where he was, you know, he points out that the population of uh, Garbutt, New York, right? This is like back in what, 2016 or something yeah, like so this. What, you, know, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, all these, you know, these are all kind of white trashy people who are all hooked on opioids and like the, you know, there's nothing going on there. And, you know, stop complaining about your life and pick, you know, Go get a U-Haul and move, mm -hmm. right? So right. Oliver Anthony is the guy that sings this Richmond, North of Richmond song, which is blowing up in like five days since this thing has come out. It's, you know, it's gone. It's like, this is a guy who set up a YouTube channel. It's him and his guitar. Okay. Like he didn't have a record contract. There's no, he didn't have PR people. There's no marketing behind what he's done. He just, you know, he wrote some songs and he's, you know, it's just, him solo with his resonator guitar and a microphone out by his deer stand with his dogs. Okay. And he sings this song. Um, he sung a, you know, four or five other ones and they've all popped to the top of the YouTube charts or the uh, iTunes charts rather is the thing on YouTube has got, I don't know how many millions of, of views in the last, you know, five or six days. Um, and this thing is totally blown up. It's like completely a, a total middle finger to the record industry, which produces nothing but garbage. Um, but anyway, like, and the song is all about, like, it's a middle finger in Kevin Williamson's face, basically, which is to say, hey, we're here. We believe in our communities. We don't want to go anywhere. And it's, you know, these kind of coastal elite people who have created this system that disadvantage, uh, disadvantages you know, working class folks, right? You're bringing in labor from, you know, all over the world to depress our wages. You, you know, like one of the things like these business owners want to cut labor costs. And part of the reason for that is that you've over-regulated their business 
for things that don't do any good. So it costs so much money Mm -hmm. to have somebody on the payroll that you have to cut money somewhere. So it's the amount of money you pay them that gets cut Mm -hmm. because you can't cut the amount of regulatory and compliance costs that all this stuff brings in. And so you've now weaponized the employer against the employee and it all all trickles down to the working class guy Mm -hmm. who, you know, I mean, you've already, I mean, you gave him bad public schools, so it's hard as hell to learn the kinds of skills that you need to really get ahead. And you've made some of those skills that you could learn outside of school obsolete, right? We make it very hard to farm in America. We make it very hard to do basic manufacturing here. So like the kind of skilled workforce stuff that you could do through an apprenticeship and some of this other stuff is is it's kind of going out of style, right? You have to go sit in a classroom somewhere and then you get indoctrinated in the things that don't do you any good and offend your values, right? So they've done all of this stuff and they put upon sort of, you know, okay, fine, poor white people, if that's what you want to call it, but it's not just limited to white people. Black people get it just as bad, if not worse, all right? Um, And particularly men get it worse than women. Um, so, you know, now you've got, I mean, you had the Jason Aldean controversy, which was something, this was the record industry talking about this. Now this guy is outside the record industry and he's talking about it. And all of a sudden it's this big cultural phenomenon. And why? Because people are sick and tired of this, right? Right. They're sick and tired of the rich men north of Richmond. And you're seeing it. Frankly, what I have to say to the elites of this country is, be glad it's just a song. Right. Because in Europe, it's not a song. It's a mob with pitchforks and torches coming at you. Pay attention. You're going to get that here. Right. Well, I mean, the thing with all of this is, is that the um, people in charge seem to be provoking this. Like the, the, they seem to be actively wanting this. And it makes me nervous about, because I feel like um, it's to mask something much worse, right? If this discontent um, is provocative enough, it will cause a reaction, which will then um, cause the kind of Chinese totalitarian control that all of our elites were very open about lusting after. Um, during the COVID stuff, you know, like you keep seeing this narrative again and again and again. Oh, you've got these white supremacists, white nationalists. You've got these, you know, these these terrorist parents at the school board meetings right. and all this kind of stuff. Like they're doing everything they can to plant this seed again and again and again. While on the other hand, you are provoking people with cultural, political, economic aggressions against them. Right. And and people don't recognize their country. And the more and then they you know suppress folks on social media, you know, I, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy says recently he said some things that were kind of like step in it type of things. But one of the things that he said that was really, really good is you know, people have got to be able to talk. And right. if you stop them from talking, they're going to shout. And if you stop, stop them from shouting, they're going to fight. Well, that's a playbook. That's not a, like, that's not a, he, they don't take him saying that as a warning. They're like, yeah, and, right? Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Joe Biden says, oh, 
your second amendment, that's not going to help you fight off tyranny. You have to have F-16s for that, right? Right. Mm -hmm. so, like, I mean, oh, the thing is. Okay, so you've been thinking about this, huh, Dirty Joe? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and I, I, there is a sense that they have been thinking about this. All the, the you know, putting the FBI, Chris Ray lied to Congress uh, about um, the FBI. Oh, no, it was just a few, few churches. No, it, it was Catholic churches across the country, FBI agents. Maybe I'm hoping they learned something going to church. Um, going into congregations and scoping things out yeah and and, and everywhere not just yeah, multiple forbid. multiple churches all across the country yeah god forbid you go to a church with a latin mass because they I mean right it's gonna be full of feds it's gonna be full of feds and that is so like unthinkable like i can't even what and here's the thing what used to be just like traditional american People go to church. That is American. Now, uh, and I just read this article, If I think it was in Massachusetts, about the state not allowing Christian couples to foster children because their belief system might harm the children. Uh, and so who fosters or, children? I, it's not the libs, I can tell you that. It is the Christian people who foster. So they're having this real crisis trying to find parents for these needy children who need a mom and dad who love them and denying the Christian parents the right to um, foster or adopt because their belief system might harm a kid. Right. It's, it's you know. So this is upside I, I, I down world. The state of Oregon that did this. Um, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, because what you're really looking for is a, is a couple of uh, pagan lesbians uh to go and like have giant families of other people's kids like that's what we want in the state of oregon like that's the public policy of that state right um because they have 53 or 54 percent of the electorate mostly in portland and it's enough to win all the elections mm -hmm. and so you know the rest of the the rest of that state outside of you know sort of the portland greater portland area everybody else like we want to be in idaho like right move our county to idaho because we don't want to be part of this state right which to me is yeah. that's the big coming crack up is when all of the rural and exurban areas in these blue states most of which are red and just don't have enough population to offset the big mm -hmm. city you know say you know like we're, we're not going to pick up and move but we don't want our county to be part of this state anymore and right. you see it you see it in washington state you see it in oregon uh there's plenty of places in California where they want that done. Mm -hmm. um, I'd be surprised if downstate Illinois doesn't do it. I'd be surprised if upstate New York doesn't do it. You know, you, like you're going to eventually get to the point where like, okay, let's split this place up because we don't want to be governed by a majority of people that live in that crappy blue city where they've destroyed mm -hmm. the place yep. and they're busy inflicting their pain on us. Mm -hmm. And man, uh, about songs that say that won't happen in a small town, even as like I just saw again, a gang of thieves, I think somewhere in California, went into a Nordstrom's and cleared out something like $20,000 worth of merchandise in two minutes. Oh, it was a and lot more than that. And we're supposed to pretend that this stuff isn't happening. And, and it's just this wanton, I remember in when the hurricane harvey came through and of course there was a no looting order and somebody tried to loot a jewish jewelry store and got shot and everybody was like well 
you know, that, you, you know, you paid the price for being stupid and how like hated looters are, right? Just hated. And now it's state sanctioned looting and it's all supposedly um, these entitled brats because it's redistribution because they have not gotten well, well, it's, it's corporate sanctioned looting. Now, you know, when the employees try to put a stop to this stuff, they get fired. Right. Because the, you know, and you want to talk about a trick bots is this. The corporate headquarters has decided in all of these places that, well, you know, it's just not worth it for you guys to stop the shoplifters and the looters that come through the store. Right. Mm -hmm. It's probably, you know, the shrinkage rate, we're going to plan on some of it. It's fine. Okay. But if you don't do something to stop these people, that shrinkage rate only grows because they get emboldened. Then a gang of them comes in, cleans out the store. All right. Mm -hmm. And the employees, hey, they told us not to do anything. It's bad. It's wrong. We know it's a bad idea, but, mm -hmm. you know, we can't. And so what is what does corporate headquarters do? We're going to close the store. Shrinkage rate is too high. And it's like, yeah, but you just put all these people out of work. Right. Right. Like. Like, what are they supposed to, you told them that they couldn't do anything that, was, that would ultimately save their job, right? You, right. you just totally right. made them disposable. And, and like the people that made out are the thieves that are now selling all of your swag online, right? Mm -hmm. At, you know, where, wherever that they're going to, they're going to put this stuff out there for. Um, and, you know, the guy is trying to do it the right way. He just get you know, he loses his job. Mm -hmm. And. You know, and so, um, and they can't. So the corporations have painted themselves in a corner because they can't say anything about this oh, because they'll be oh. called racist or whatever. And so, right. like, they would rather lose the bottom line. They'd rather go out of business than address the issue. Which is exactly what's about to happen to Nordstrom. Their stock is down the tubes right now. Right. Um, because everywhere, I mean, everywhere Nordstrom, Nordstrom has stores basically is, the, you know, it's like a blue place mm -hmm. where they allow this stuff. Because, and Nordstrom carries yeah, high-end yeah. merchandise. Right. So they're a, a, a hot target. Yep. So it's, I mean, everything about this is like a colossal freaking mess. And all of the incentives are perverse. Um, and yet nobody does anything about it's it. It's so dystopian. I, I, in some ways, I just love it. It is the actual end end result of yeah. all of this insanity and the belief system. And now these blue state people are in the position of having to defend the indefensible and kind of stuck. So the richie rich people are not going to have a place to shop locally and they don't right now feel safe doing it anyway. But they can't say anything because they voted for all of this and they don't want to be perceived as bad people by acknowledging that maybe we that we should be tough on crime because this is a problem. No, 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 no. These people can't help themselves. There's this real condescending idea that the lower class can't. You know, they don't have they don't have uh, any social inhibitions. They can't help themselves. They're just taking care of their family. It's you like you can't decry the conduct because mm -hmm. to do so is racist. But right. I'm not even going to think about the fact that by framing it that way mm -hmm. i am racist i am racist exactly because what you're saying essentially right. is that well this is what the blacks do right say something and it's about not it, then you're anti the blacks and then the right. response is 
I, yeah. I don't care what color these people are. They can't loot a store. Well, a crime is crime. Black people are capable of not looting a store. That's not too much to ask of them and every other race. Right. You know, and but you can't even you can't even go there. I mean, we're in a we're in this weird, bizarro world where, and I come back to this because it's just so mind-boggling. And I think we even talked about it a couple podcasts ago. RFK Jr. mentions the Cleveland Clinic study that says, "Hey." Different genetic right. markers might have led to different results when it's people cool. got COVID. Yeah. Ashkenazi Jews and ethnic Chinese tended to do better than, you know, Afri people of African descent and, you know, other European people. You're an anti-Semite. He's like, no, I'm saying that that could be used as a, as a precursor or maybe is already being used as right. a bioweapon. Right. right. Because you can target a virus to different generic genetic markers. And that's a thing. No, 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 no. You say Jewish people. What? Right. What did I say? I mean, like, where, where, do, where do you even get that? And the answer is, well, you're running against Biden. So we're going to use anything we can against you. But the point is. Any reference to race or ethnicity or perceived reference to race or, race right. or ethnicity, we're talking about conduct with these looting of these stores. Right. And it's like, oh, but you said something that, you know, you're a white person that talked about maybe black people. And so you can't say that because it's a sensitive topic and you're, and you're a racist if you do. And it's like, right. no, I'm talking about what actually happened. And like, I'm going to impose the same standards regardless of race or ethnicity. And somehow that's racist. And it's like, yeah, you can't talk about that. It's like, yeah, but how are we going to ever solve a problem if we can't talk about the reality? Well, see, right. here's the thing. This is why I'm really happy about it, because I hope they all enjoy the misery. The problem yeah. is, and the thing that and makes let me... Let your magical thinking freaking crash down around you. Well, right, it, right. It, but they end up getting fed up, right? Their magical thinking, and then they move. And the, the number of Californians who are moving to where I live is, I mean, I think every other person you talk to is from California. Now, hopefully they're conservative. I think most of them are, but even still uh, with the tech industry here and with an economy booming, guess what people, liberals, you go where the jobs are and why, why are there jobs here? Because of right. the regulatory environment and the legal environment where in yeah. the tax environment. So, you know, start adding two plus two, but they don't. Instead they plop a Black Lives Matter flag in their front yard and are mad about things when they're living in peace and safety and have a job and can afford things. So right. like it, this kind of crazy town that we're in extends now, and we haven't even talked about it, but I think one of the biggest problems is, um, you know, opening the border, letting, letting fentanyl come through. And you have all of these places, both city and rural, where these people who can't get a job and can't afford to live would rather take government assistance but the despair and the grief so you see it lining san francisco and and los angeles and every major city and then you also see it in these rural places people who would who would like to work but who get on drugs and then and then the despair sits in sets in you it's like overcoming that and it's so addictive and we had 68,000 deaths last year from uh, overdoses alone. 
Right. That's what many of yeah. which weren't actually overdoses. They were poisonings. Right. 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 People, people died from taking fentanyl when it wasn't really fentanyl they were taking, or they, they weren't trying to take fentanyl. They thought they were taking something else and got it laced with fentanyl, and that's what killed them. Um, which to me is a murder. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that's just it. And so then you have, and then you have the increase in the suicide rates because for the people who are addicted and bleak and, or the people like this woman who, who feels like she's pedaling as fast as she can and cannot make it, inflation has made food so expensive that she, you know, is worried about feeding her only child. And this is in um, Canada, but we've seen things like this here in America. And then you have this, it's like a culture of death everywhere, whether it be from abortion to euthanasia to the uptick in cancer deaths that nobody wants to talk about that seem to be secondary to this COVID vaccine um, because the immune system is inhibited and cancer rates have taken off and heart disease has taken off. And we've got 10% higher in some very specific cases of um cancer much higher so like if you have a familial proclivity to something so like i heard the other day two family members dying uh, uh getting diagnosed with cancer within a month after getting the covid vaccine and um no family history of it but they both died of the exact same kind of breast cancer within months because it took off like a rocket so we can't talk about these things, and this will get us banned. I hope, uh, Kate, you're paying attention to what time it is. Write it down and just knock out the disease that shall not be named, basically. We can't talk about what's actually happening. And so you have this death and despair, too. And uh, in the medical case, it's just all-consuming and financially draining. And, sure. and so, like... Um, this kind of uptick of that too creates a, creates an industry, yay, for the, the pharmaceutical companies, but it's absolutely horrible when you look at the financial position of the people who are enduring it. Yeah. And, and just like good things tend to exponentially build, when someone's going through bad things, those too tend to exponentially build. So you lose your job. You're, you're, um, you have back pain, you can't afford to go to the doctor. So you get a street drug to knock yourself out of the pain that you're in. And then you get addicted and then you can't get a job again. And then you lose your home and then your wife gets cancer. You know, like it's just that tends, those type of things tend to um, snowball. And there's absolute, um, well, you said hostility, and I think it's the hostility towards the people who are enduring that. And yeah. so you have someone like RFK Jr. talking to Tucker, and we're seeing the left and right meet in this um, situation where people are like, this This is unsustainable. It can't yeah. continue. So like you mentioned, RFK talking to uh, Tucker, what came out of that conversation that you thought was particularly like important? Well, it's it's worth watching because while he touches on a lot of this stuff, um, sort of the biggest thing really was the kind of trip through history that uh, that that interview represented. Um, mm -hmm. You know, starting with you know he talks a lot about his uncle and mm -hmm. you know the like a lot of the things that his uncle 
mm -hmm. um, was doing as president mm -hmm. that yeah. ultimately led to his assassination. Things about you know Cuba and all something. Mm -hmm. RFK Jr. will go on and on and on and on and on about how the CIA killed his uncle, mm -hmm. JFK. Right, and I think he's right. I mean, I think probably. It's I mean, very obvious that he, does anyone doubt it at this point? <laughs> yeah, well, I always, I always thought that it was a that you know that this had a lot to do with the mob, um, because you know there was a lot of like pretty telling things. I mean, for example, Jay uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, um, his uncle was a capo for Carlos Marcello in New Orleans. And he and when he lived in New Orleans, he was working in the Marcello crime family, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and then of course, Jack Ruby was affiliated with both Marcello and Sam Giancana. And he owned a, uh, a nightclub in Dallas, but he also had a piece of a casino in, um, uh, illegal casino in Bossier City, uh, which is, across the river from Shreveport in North Louisiana, just up the highway from Dallas. Um, you know, and so like, I mean, the, the, the connections of all of these people to the mob can't be, uh, you know, they can't really, shouldn't be understated. Well, it could be both things though. I mean, looking at- No, I think it probably know, was both things. An off the books operation, wink, wink, if you know what I mean. No, I mean, like there, are, there were tons of connections between the CIA and mm -hmm. uh, the mob. Right. Um, you know, now where Marcello was concerned <laughs> when when JFK was president, one of the things like this really interesting story is um, Marcello was an illegal immigrant. OK, like he was he was a Sicilian. He came to America basically with no paperwork or whatever. And he ended up. Uh, Are you yeah, saying he was a WAP? I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying I is that he was an illegal immigrant. So just, anybody who's not in New York probably doesn't know that, but WAP stands with without papers, but it was right. a slur against Italians and right. Sicilians in particular. But anyway, by that, by that definition, it probably applies. But anyway, he got, he ended up getting paperwork saying he's from Tunisia. Okay. Mm -hmm. No, I take it back. Uh, he, 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 I think as a little boy, he lived in Tunisia before he came here. But he got paperwork saying he's from Guatemala. Okay. So um, they grabbed him and put him on a plane and deported him to Guatemala. Oh, okay. Like during the Kennedy administration. And oh. he walked back from Guatemala. <laughs> and I mean, ever after that, uh, was Marcelo was you know, like sore vengeance oh. on the Kennedys. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, like, well, we should also point out the Kennedy clan were had their own mob. Yes. So, well, I mean, Kennedy this... was a bootlegger. He ran right. whiskey in from Canada and Ireland, um, right. you know, during the during prohibition. And that's kind of how the family made all their money. Right. right? So, right. I mean, <laughs> it, the whole thing is just it's, you know, it's yeah. it's very Shakespearean. But yeah. Um, but anyway, this interview is, it's, you know, it's kind of fascinating because he's, mm -hmm. you know, he talks about all this stuff and he talks about the CIA's role and mm -hmm. they get into the, the you know, the, the war in Ukraine. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying I agree with everything RFK Jr. is saying, but it's an interesting perspective because when he talks about Russia and Ukraine, mm -hmm. he's not wrong. And I mean, he's a massive indictment of Victoria Nuland and the, and the mm -hmm. neocons and all of the meddling that we've done in Ukraine um, mm -hmm. over the years.
Um, you know, and then he he mentions the thing that pretty much everybody knows now about, you know, in April of 22, uh, the Russia-Ukraine war had basically come to an end and they had an agreement that essentially Zelensky was going to sign an updated version of the Minsk Accords, which essentially gave uh, the Donbass uh, a, you know, autonomous status within Ukraine, but an autonomous status. Um, and, you know, he said he was going to sign it when he ran and won uh, initial election, and then they talked him out of it. So he was going to sign something like that, and Boris Johnson rolled in and scuttled the thing, ostensibly at, uh, at Biden's urging. And so we're continuing this war. You know, now there's, you know, I, think, yeah. I can't remember who, can't remember who, whose poll it was, but uh, a day or so ago, poll comes out, 55% of the country doesn't want any more money going to Ukraine. Like, we're done. We're finished. We've got $120 billion or whatever the number is. And we're done. We don't want to, we don't want to send anymore. And yet, the ruling class, the rich men north of Richmond, insist, insist on continuing to fund Ukraine again and again and again, when we all know that ultimately what you're going to get is some sort of either autonomy or whatever it is for the Donbass, the Russians are going to keep Crimea, and Ukraine gets is, remains intact for the rest of the country. Like, yeah. we know that that's ultimately how this thing is going to work out. And Ukraine's not going to be part of NATO, which they just voted not to make Ukraine part of NATO, so you're not giving up anything there, Right. And that's right. the contours of a peace agreement that should have been had a year and a half a year, ago. A year and a half ago now, and could have been. Yeah. yeah. And and, but the thing is, is that you, you, end to, you end this too soon, right? And it, not enough money gets uh, laundered through Ukraine to line the pockets of uh, the leadership of the West. I mean, and that's what remember really when that about. was like a conspiracy theory to say something like that? And now everybody agrees, right? It's, because it's everybody is, theory. now they know. Okay, well, that's we right. know that they used Ukraine as a laundry, so why would they stop when the getting's even better? Well, in Afghanistan, you know, that whole thing. That was another laundry. You know, shop got closed, so we got to move the operation somewhere else, and so expand in Ukraine. I mean... I didn't used to be cynical like this about these things. Like I was so naive about this. I actually, you know, when we went into Iraq the first time, I was like, well, Hillary Clinton said there was like, she was the opposition party. And so I was like, cause I wasn't sure about Bush. I felt like he, GW was trying to settle scores for his dad. And so I thought that was a really crappy reason to go over to Iraq. But Hillary Clinton said that she had seen the intel and whatever, and she was, you know, the leader of the opposition party. And I was like going, okay, well, if she's seen it now, I'm like, oh, oh, how naive of myself, you know, to even think that. Um, now I've, I've completely changed my mind about all of this and, and I'm tired of it. Americans are tired of it. Yeah. And, and uh, the only people getting wealthy off of this is, um, China because they get money coming and going with this war because both sides are are getting their um, munitions and things from China and Iran uh, for the for uh, Russia. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, 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 it, it's uncanny the um, amount of enrichment that Iran has drawn 
from the Obama regime. Right. Uncanny. Between the, the pallets of money shipped over there when Obama was president and the and the you know billion dollar bribe that we gave to them to get them to get them to sign that Iran deal mm -hmm. to you know to what's going on now. You know, and I like I just go like, okay, so Valerie Jarrett, who was like grew up in Iran basically, and like we have all this like you know like the key though is this is that the key is is that iran hates israel and sure. obama and all of the people running the administration hate oh. israel Boy, and so that's so like it's anti-semitism it's mm -hmm. hostility hostility to any um uh country that has like truly western free ideals Right. And, and so like, that's what this is about. And, um, you know, so like that it's terrible. And what I don't understand is why those, you know, our friends on the left don't get it. Like, you know, um, but they don't. And so like, here we go. Let's enrich Iran, who is part of the evil empire um, and doing terrible things, but it seems to be shocking to people on the left. Uh, so, so we have all of this corruption, right. That we're describing right. and we have the little people like this guy in Virginia writing this song, he and his red beard and and it's resonating. Yeah. And part of this, which we haven't talked about yet is the focus, uh, on Donald Trump as the beginning and and the alpha and omega of all evil according to our elite class right, right. you know and we both have talked about this since neither one of us are like huge fans um i i have serious misgivings about him being president i don't know how he could get anybody to staff the administration i don't know how he would have any kind of political juice to do anything again um however uh, so that makes me you know nervous however with everything going on he's received the next however many indictments now from georgia and when you look case by case by case at all of these things i've never seen so much flim flam in my life it's just right. baloney if i and never hear the term novel legal theory again that would right. make me so happy Novel. And, you know, and now it's like this is being applied to, you know, prosecutions of a former president. Right. Like, I don't want novel legal theories brought up to prosecute a former president. I want concrete legal theories. I want well-established right. legal theories. If you're, you know, I mean, it's it's a, you know, there's the old line, if you, sh if you shoot at the king, you must kill him, right? Or mm -hmm. strike at the king, you must kill him. Right. It's like, no, if we wound him enough that he loses the next election, it's fine. Right. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, guess what? Keep this up and you're 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 not gonna make him lose the next election. Because the same people that are all fired up about that song mm -hmm. are gonna be all fired up about Trump and their ranks are growing because you don't produce good results with this power that you so desperately cling to. Um, you know, and, and people get madder and madder and, and more and more determined to do something about it, you know, and, you know, I fear for the country if we have the kind of election in 2024 that we had in 2020, 
because I don't think that you're going to be able to stop what's coming if you pull off those kinds of shenanigans again. That's all I got to say about that. Well, you know, the thing is, you, you made a point just a, a second ago about the um, how the Democrats and how the elites are running things. And this was my argument before Trump got elected the first time. I'm like, you guys would be on solid ground if you produced good things, right. if you were governing well, if right. you actually did return to norms, if you had brought the country together like you lied about wanting to do. If any of those things had happened, you would not even, Trump wouldn't be an issue. Right. But because you're so bad and continue to make things worse and everything, there was a list on here, I can't remember if it's Carpe Doncum or who it was, um, made a list of all the institutions that have been destroyed. The DOJ, the FBI, the CIA, yeah. you go, so there's a, letter agencies completely destroyed the cdc the right. and the whole health apparatus destroyed the uh economic apparatus speaking destroyed. of speaking of that last piece yeah I, I hate to interrupt you but one of the yeah. things that you get from the rfk jr interview that tucker did he goes off on fauci mm -hmm. and he freaking nails fauci is like hey the reason he's the most highly paid employee in the federal government is that he's in charge of the bio warfare mm -hmm. uh, that, that the, the country does. And he took it all offshore and did this thing in China and did it in Ukraine. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, uh, OK, I don't know how documentable that is, but that's like the most like wildly entertainingly explosive charge that you can make is like, hey, Anthony Fauci is a bio warfare expert. Right. And he funds it all. Well, uh, that's what he does, though. The thing is, it's like they were talking about it was a lie about this stuff. And then as time yeah. has gone on, they found they just recently last month found one of these places on American soil in California. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, like, this is not a theoretical lab. thing. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, like, I don't know why everybody makes it like it's some big conspiracy theory. We know that the United States took over these um chemical warfare plants from the Russians back during Clinton times. The thing is, is they never got shut down. We right. know that this that uh, China has been the hotbed of um, kind of genetic research. And right. so like you marry that with the American, you know, uh, Americans are particularly good at novel new ideas, but some of them are so ethically bad that they they know they can't do it here. And so they're going other places. So this is not a stretch and why anybody acts like it is. And right now the technology exists to make weapons that specifically target people with a certain kind of DNA. And yeah, this is known. So this is not the, the technology that's already existing uh, in the kind of bio warfare field is would would terrorize people i've read about it if you knew you would be deeply uncomfortable pretty much all the time thinking about what could be done and so like and fauci is at the center of all of it he is an evil little 
piece of crap human being and should be tried for war crimes, in my opinion, because of what he has done and what he's been party to. This whole yeah. COVID thing doesn't happen without Fauci. It yeah. is, and and well, remember, Congress oh. banned gain of function research in 2014. Mm-hmm. Right, there were a couple of of uh, of leaks from labs that had been doing gain of function research. Right, and you know people got hurt. I don't know if anybody died, but the leaks got contained. But people did get sick. And that word got out and they kind of kept it quiet, but Congress very quickly jumped in and said, okay, that's it. We're not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then he just took everything offshore. Well, right? at the behest of who? People's Liberation Army. And let's let's work their lab in Wuhan and let's keep doing gain of function research. What, a, what could possibly go wrong, right? right? How many tens of millions of people did you kill? You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Change the entire country in ways the country didn't want to change in, but that America's elites did, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, I, you know, you couldn't think- write a news story about something bad happening to Fauci that would make me upset. No, and so like, so on the one hand you have this, and then the same elite saying, you know, getting after Trump for saying it's a China virus, and and it was released. And, you know, I'm like, what did, what intel did he have access to? I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it was purposefully released. Um, But, you know, that's just me. I I think it was carelessly released, but the minute it was out and China knew what the consequences were going to be, they cracked open their bio warfare playbook and said, well, you know, we're in this, whether we planned it or not, you know, let's, let you know, we're going to act accordingly. Yeah. So you open the airport, Wuhan international flights, but you close it to everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you make sure that, you know, all they didn't of your stop the flights live. back and forth between Italy. The land, they kept, they, they just imported it. Yeah. You know, to- plug it in, plug it in over there. And next thing you know, it's worldwide. San Francisco and so New York. Everybody and- else has yeah. to suffer along with. Uh, the Chinese. And, you know, you can always like, like if, if what we believe is, is likely true turns out to be true, you almost can't even condemn them morally for it. Cause they're like, Hey, wait a minute. No, other people were involved in, in bringing this disaster to light, just like we are. Why shouldn't they suffer for it? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a really cynical, awful thing, but honestly, you know, it's not the worst argument I've ever heard. So, um, you know, yeah, but getting back to it. So you get this rampant criminality and, and wholesale evil that our own people are responsible for. And it's, it's, you know, harder and harder to even deny it. Right. Because the more you see, I mean, you saw the train wreck in East Palestine, Ohio, and you saw exactly how, uh, how you know how much the Biden administration gives a damn about those people, right? Well, and now what's happening in Hawaii? Yeah, and, um, you know, with the hey, here's seven hundred bucks. Right. right. I mean, the, the thing is, is like um, we were talking about this before. Don't even cover the amount of, of extra cost on inflation. We're going to give you right. this for your house that just burned down in the wildfire. Right. Right. 
So oh. for, I just want to talk about Lahaina just a little bit because some people haven't been there, but um, I have, and it's like this sleepy little beach town in Hawaii where it's like what you think of uh, relaxing and hanging 10. This is, that's Lahaina. And uh, it's a great place to visit. It's just relaxed and it's like a throwback. There's some towns like this, uh, like Salida, Colorado, places in, you know, little towns in different parts of the United States where you really do feel like you've gone back in time. That was Lahaina. And um, to see what it's, has happened to it. And it's prime real estate, by the way, which is I, why I want to know who started this fire. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's in one of the best parts of the island. Um, it, the, the water is milder there. Like, so you, you know, you can swim in it and that sort of thing. All like the Marriott resort is down the way from it. And so like, it's a place that's, you know, this is like primo real estate. And so yeah. there's a and lot now of that land's been cleared. And now that land's been cleared. And I, so we really need to know what happened here. And everybody's talking about fire or about uh, power lines and all of this kind of thing. I would want to know who started this thing because there's a lot of people with motives to do that. And we, we already know that three quarters of the wildfires that get started in America are arson. Mm -hmm. We yeah. already know that. Mm -hmm. um, it would not be a stretch by any imagination, uh, uh, you know, of imagination at all if this was one of them. Right. And I mean, you know, you've got commercial interests that are going to make money off this. And I sound like some 1970s freaking liberal. I sound like I'm, I'm in a Robert Redford, I'm a character in a right, Robert Right. Redford. I know. And it what, pisses what me off happened? to no end that yeah. I, I now think this way, but I've seen too much. Right. And, you know, and I think the big break for me is when. You know, I started to realize that capitalism and corporatism are totally different things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, uh, and, and and like you have to recognize that, particularly if you're going to be a conservative and have any credibility in this country. Right. Because, you know, especially since, you know, corporate America is now anti-capitalist in ways that it's never really been true. Um, and you've got institutional capital that's running all of these corporations that are now woke, that are now like, all they care about is the regulatory capture piece. Right. Like, how can we rig the game so that, you know, some upstart startup mom and pop company that does has a better, you know, mousetrap, um, you know, can't come eat, not come eat, eat our lunch. This happens right. over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's big tech, oligarchs that collude with the federal government to suppress your free speech or banks that want to deplatform you if you don't um you know if you if you don't adhere to the things that they want to do to build their esg score or you know some of these other em employers that put their employees through you know this this um hr training that absolutely offends their values mm -hmm. um you know you look at that and you're like well you know, like I'm a capitalist and a free market conservative, and I can't defend any of this stuff. 
Right. And frankly, as important as the free market has been to me, um, I'm not a free marketeer if, I, if, if this has to be part of it. And then I see people um, say the Jonah Goldbergs of the world who crap all over uh, regular folks in, uh, and openly embrace the donor class when we know that he's being paid by corporate America to be a shill, right? Um, and supposedly that represents conservatism. And I'm like, well, no wonder you can't win an election and you have to depend on Trump to save the Republican Party. Right. Bought and paid for. And so when the rest of us look at something like Lahaina and go, well, we know that there are, uh, that arson is a, a prominent cause of wildfires. Like we know that, we know that you couldn't have picked better circumstances with the weather patterns in Maui at the time for somebody to light a fire and have it go off, mm -hmm. which is not to say it couldn't have happened naturally. Of course it could. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, oftentimes these things, you set fires all over the place and then it overwhelms, um, mm -hmm. overwhelms the, the, the first responders and their ability to do something about it. Um, and then, you know, like it's, well, okay, so now they've cleared, cleared downtown line. And the money can roll on in and completely, re, you know, remake that town. In fact, it has to, because it'll never come back otherwise, because everybody that, that's there has lost everything. So you're going to have a totally different place. Right. And it's, it'll be a, you know. It'll be um, Disney. It'll be Disneyfied. It'll be Disneyfied. That's it'll exactly be, right. All of the character, all of the great things. Like I remember walking down the road after we got, you know, you walk in and you flip flops to a bar and you have a, a drink and dinner, watch looking at, and then you you go to the street vendor who's doing henna and you you know you, you, the fun old kind and everything's rickety and yeah. and feel and relaxed and and it's just a good vibe. And yeah. that will be there. Now it's now it will be a, you know, corporate mall. Right. On the coast. Yeah. That's what it will be. And, and well, and then big places like you have on other parts of the island, you have like the Grand Walia and some of these uh, big, beautiful um, hotels that have been around like the Grand Walia and uh, the Four Seasons, I think, have been around since you know the beginning of people vacationing there so like it's old but um you know there's there's a need for more uh nice properties there because you know it's a beautiful place and right. that and now that all has been cleared it's just so like i don't know i feel badly for it there's one little town on the other side of the island two of them um, um that are still exist and have that vibe but, right. you know, if those two burn, I'm really going to put my conspiracy cap on. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so. I mean, well, but the thing of it is, is that, you know, nobody deserves the benefit of the doubt anymore. No. Is, is really where this, you know, where this ends, right? And Well, look at what they're doing to Trump. Isn't that to well, get right. It's a perfect segue to, to, to into this because... Right. Okay, so this indictment essentially says that if you uh, protest the results of an election that is irregularly conducted, mm -hmm. okay, 
uh, if you know, with the people that handled the election did things differently than they've ever really been done before. Right. And if the one that, you know, loses the election says, hey, wait a minute, right? Mm-hmm. And, and starts making phone calls um, and hires lawyers to contest things, mm-hmm. that somehow this is a criminal right. uh, conspiracy to try to defend one's interests if you um, lose an election under circumstances that are suspect. Well, the thing is, it all hangs on a phone call where Trump said, they're like, we thought we had this many votes. Right. Find those votes. Well, that doesn't mean make those votes. That's a Democrat thing to do. It means go find them. Where did they go? We we know that we had the, you know, we did the math on these various counties. Where are the votes that we thought that were going to come in, that we thought was going to happen? And anybody who's in elections at all knows, you know, Carl Rove, chief among them, you, it, it's down to the wire in some places. And they're doing the math on turnout and whatever and what they, they've war gamed every single county and know where all the votes are and where all the voters are and 6,000 votes that are missing from a place that you thought would be there. It, that's a big enough chunk to be like, where'd they go? Like, we thought this is going to happen in this county. What happened? And so like, and find them, like, if or if they aren't there, what we need an explanation. And that, that happened all over the country in 2020. Of course it did. And, I mean, well, but this is the thing, okay? Um, everything that, that, not just in this indictment, but in, in some of the other ones, I mean, Al Gore is guilty of all the same stuff that, that you know, Trump is guilty of, if you're supposed to believe that this is a crime, right? And oh, where's the, where's the indictment of Al Gore? But the thing is, where's not- it in Georgia, where is the indictment of Stacey Abrams, who got beat by right. 55,000 votes, never conceded the election, continued to say that she actually won. <laughs> and I mean, and, the, you know, the, the 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 narrative against Trump in Georgia as well, he already knew that he had lost the election. And yet he said this stuff anyway. Yeah, but did they he say Abrams that? knew that she had lost? Well, and it was a private conversation, by the way. This was not something that he said on the news. Right. And the and the other the other thing with all of this is that are we policing free speech now? Well, of course. You know, we he's being charged under RICO. So, like, however many people are be also being indicted, and this crazy lady's gonna. Um, is in there, and I mean, there's like eighteen other people. Yeah, well, absolutely. So here's my analysis of what's actually happening. Basically, this is a message to anybody who would ever help Donald Trump because they're indicting his attorneys, which is completely unprecedented, by the way. So we can't be representative, represented. So like in one of the indictments in another lawsuit, um, one of the guys who gave dissenting opinions at the DOJ, Jeff something, who, who advised the president so now an attorney giving bad advice is illegal. There's no like, I mean, if that were illegal, hell's bells, half the probably three quarters of the legal field would be in jail. So like, yeah. you know, this is just insane. And you can have differing opinions when you're wargaming how to deal with something and two attorneys say this and another says this and you consider it. Um 
how is a president supposed to get advice from people if they're worried that they can't say what they think the legal theory is for something? Right. And, and, and lawyers disagree about this kind of stuff all the time, which is why we go to the Supreme Court to get it settled, because there are disagreements. So this is so we've got that kind of a insane lawsuit. Then we have this going on in Georgia, which is basically a free speech issue. Absolutely. And that's it. It's a, another constitutional issue. And all of this is a warning to anybody who would ever work with or be around Trump, because what well, that, these that's true. But Melissa, the, the, maybe the more pervasive and worse thing is, is this is a warning to anybody who contests the Democrats converting elections mm -hmm. from contests to convince enough people to vote for you, mm -hmm. as opposed to collecting and turning in an X number of ballots to win an election, which is what they want to turn it into. Anybody well, who tries I, to stand against to, that in the future, it. we're going to come out like we're going to we're going to go to Twitter and we're going to make Twitter give up your tweets that you deleted. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, like it's going to go that far. We're going to try to climb inside your head and we're going to, you know, like we're going to prove that you might have had doubts that maybe the election wasn't stolen, like you say. And if you did, now we're going to throw you in jail. Mm -hmm. Right. For for protesting our piss poor conduct of elections. Right. Right. When we, we're, all we're going to do, we're going to we're not even going to run candidates. We're going to run John Fetterman and Joe Biden. OK, mm -hmm. we're going to harvest ballots. And if you don't like it, we're going to put you in jail. OK, right. And I'm supposed to tolerate that as like, well, this is what happens in a free country. This pot will boil over. Okay, you cannot. You, I mean, like you. But start, that's what they want. They want the pot to boil it. over, so to justify a totalitarian regime, which we're almost there. And so, well, like all of this it, is planned. I, to, I'm gonna maybe um, uh, um, do a, a a perversion of what Ben Franklin said. Right? It's a it's a tyranny if you can keep it. Mm-hmm. Right, because when you get to the post-republic, the rules of the republic no longer apply. Right. Okay, I mean, when Rome lost the republic and started turning into an empire, they assassinated people on the streets all the time. It was a dangerous place, and you talk about the Game of Thrones—you, you know, you win mm -hmm. or you die. That was that was the Roman Empire. Okay, mm -hmm. I mean. People, people got their throats slit. People got poisoned. It happened mm -hmm. all the time. And it became a very brutal place. And by the time Rome finally fell, the people of Rome were exhausted. They yeah. were exhausted. And well, it's exhausting. I mean, areas, look at, look at what we're dealing with go. now, Scott. I mean, look at how it, it's just exhausting. All of this uh, constant chronic power monger mongering evil that's yeah. unabated and so like this guy who's singing this song it's like everybody sees it and yes. feels helpless to do anything about it it's just right. like and that you cannot continue as a republic when the faith is completely lost in all the institutions and in the idea of its own existence yeah i mean this is an existential crisis 
Well, and what has been dismaying to me is on the right and on the left at the elite levels that these people would rather enrich themselves and see the country die than take a principled stand for someone they dislike. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, well, and we've known this for a long time. Our elites are of such poor character Okay. I mean, like these are, these are the most, this is the most unworthy class of elites Mm -hmm. that any society has ever had, unless it, unless it's a society that failed. Right. Like, I mean, you know, whatever you want to, you know, pick an empire that fell apart, you know, particularly in ancient history, I'm sure the Babylonians were mercilessly corrupt at the end. Well, right. when you think talking about These the Chinese Babylon- dynasties that failed, you know, right. were, were right. weird beyond belief, right? Um, but well, we're, we're descending into that level. Um, and the thing of it is, is the basic character of the American people may not be what it was in the 50s, okay, or the 80s, but it's it's still not as bad as the elites, Right. So Oliver Anthony sings this song and blows up the iTunes charts. And meanwhile, the record industry, which he is not actually part of, mm-hmm. is trying to throw Sam Smith in our face. Right. We're in bondage gear mm-hmm. um, and do, like doing satanic concerts right. across the world. And we're like supposed to like it. Right. You know, and it's like, Okay, but we don't, and like we're we. How many times do we have to try to tell you people? But you know, and it, it, but at some point you would think, okay, you know, this fad with the you know utter evil has got like we're gonna have to it's just bad business, and we have to move on from it. And they're committed to it, you know, and and so something has to break, and. You know, look, I'm the guy that preaches the American revival. I think it still is very much the case. The question is how much suffering you have before you get there. Mm-hmm. And this well is getting deeper and deeper and deeper the more we freaking get into it. And I think there's I think there's a whole lot of pain and suffering coming before we finally get to the to the light at the end of the tunnel. And well, it's just... what, what you said reminds me of like the Babylonian Empire. So, you know, Christians will know this and Jewish people will know this, but if you don't go to church or haven't studied, you won't maybe know this story. But so Nebuchadnezzar was king, probably had the greatest world empire of all in yeah. history. Uh, wealth, well, you know, wealth and everything. His son was named Belshazzar. And he was a typical spoiled, rotten, rich kid and was having a party with basically imagine uh, going into a Catholic church, taking all of the um, gold chalices and all of the beautiful things out of it and defiling it for an orgy in an elite's house. That would be the analogy now, is to completely defile everything, loot the churches, take the gold, and use it basically for a huge sex party for the elites. And that's what Belshazzar did. And in his big old castle, God had had enough. 
And he wrote on the wall, many, many tackle you farson. And what it translates is, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. And I would say that our elites are being weighed in the balance right now and being found wanting, certainly by the people. And yeah. they know it and they want to keep their power and they don't deserve their power. And on some level, they know that too. And they have utter contempt for the people that they should be stewards of. Yeah. And it cannot last because nothing like that lasts. That's right. And so that is where we're at. And um, I don't know if God is going to directly intervene, you know, in that way. It's happened in the we'll past. We'll find out. We'll find out. But, you know, the, I don't feel like the people, when you talk about our the class that is running the world, I don't care what country you're talking about, um, really uh, understands the fire they're playing with. They simply don't seem to care. and um that never ends well it just never ends well yeah no no matter what culture you're talking about and there's really not one you can point to that is doing it right and the ones who are trying to do it right say for example orban and hungary or um you know duda in poland or whatever are absolutely hated by the ones who are evil right. and so like, um, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. But, you know, at this point, I don't think I was talking to another writer um, about Trump. And there's plenty of people who don't like him, but I don't think anybody cannot support him now. This is a constitutional issue. It's not about Trump. It's about everybody else. It's about anyone who wants to be free. If Trump gets indicted on any of these things and the precedent is set that you cannot talk about a stolen election, that you cannot represent someone and give them advice in a legal manner and, and without being indicted because you are doing, you are, do not have an opinion that regime lawyers think you should have. If you are, uh, basically making phone calls and discussing these things or getting on TV or going to a, um, you know, uh, a rally and saying we have to have a peaceful and, um, you know, march over to the, to Congress and emphasizing being, you know, we are, you know, which Trump did, we are law abiding people. We do not do do this kind of thing, we but we can make our voices heard. So now anybody who doesn't agree- they turn with that them. into a riot with agents right. provocateur and then blame right. the whole thing on, on Trump while they put a thousand people in jail, essentially with no due process to speak of. Right, and not giving them any uh, evidence, withholding evidence, uh, the government withholding evidence, exculpatory evidence, against the people. And so you have grandma going to jail. Meanwhile, you have criminal gangs, um, you know, running yeah, amok. Looting Nordstrom's. Right. Looting Nordstrom's. And you have uh, illegal aliens sleeping on the streets of our cities because there's nowhere for them to go and misery created everywhere. And so yeah. like this complete lawlessness and debauchery at the very top is creating such instability. And you know, 
who knows what started the fire in Lahaina, but it won't take much to ignite the social discontent that is, is brewing. And what bothers me is it seems intentional. And, and that is what really, really concerns me long-term. And because what comes after that is a boot on your neck and justification for that. Well, and, either that or abject chaos. Well, right. You know, because like, I, I'm pretty sure red states won't put up with this. I think red states will ultimately walk before uh, allowing this to go all the way down that road. And then you, you know, you then you have a, a split up country, and you can go read Kurt Schlichter's novels because that's the future of America, right? He wrote them as a warning, and they're not being freaking heated. And so, you know, we'll we'll all turn into Kelly Turnbull, who was the like hero of his of his books. Um, and I, I mean, like they're they're so much more plausible now than when he started writing them a few years ago, hmm. that it's frightening. Um, and you know, but like. That's it's the direction we're moving in. Like you said, the, the people who all they'd have to do is pull their head out and they could stop this. Um, it wouldn't be all that difficult for, you know, team Biden to say, OK, we're not going to prosecute our chief rival of this thing. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we could we can defuse this and probably beat him just by getting all the unmarried women out to vote. Right. It's like enough. We can just win the damn election fair and square, maybe. But they know that they know that their situation is only going to get worse because they have a product that is, um, you know, rancid. That's only going to get, you know, smellier and smellier between now and the election. because This old man at the top of their ticket is utterly corrupt, exposed and mentally falling apart before our very eyes so they have to rig the election in order to win it someone said to me that they thought that a solution for all of this would be biden making being the peacemaker pardoning trump pardoning his own kid and and basically and then, and then bowing out yep yeah, bowing guys, out. guys this is too far gone i'm gonna reset the deal and i'm out mm -hmm. and then people will you could Look redeem at, yourself a little bit if you were Biden and you did that. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you could see how it would benefit him because, you know, all of the things they're accusing Trump of are just made up baloney. But the things that that Biden is um, responsible for are not made up right? and are very real. And but, but, you know, morally, if you're the GOP and this whole thing gets reset, Mm -hmm. um you know at that he point, goes to the retirement they home. Really That's what don't, well it's the thing they really don't want to go through all the hassle right. to impeach this guy and this right. would give them a, a, a little bit of a face-saving thing with the republican electorate which is to say okay look he's leaving anyway it's all like we're gonna we're gonna turn the page and move on and now we're gonna find a way to run against gavin newsom or whatever right Look, that would be that would be a step back from the brink if we could get that to happen. Mm -hmm. But that that you're asking for a level of character from Joe right. Biden that he has never demonstrated well, in no, his you, whole freaking life. 
Well, that's true, but you're also asking for the Obama administration that's in their third term to walk back from their radical ideology, which is they believe the world and America needs to be remade, that right. we're colonists, that we're yeah. inherently evil, and that this system needs to be torn down. Now, they're not quite clear about what should replace it, but they believe that, which is why they play footsie with places like Iran and China, and uh, because uh, we are the bad ones. And the thing is, increasingly, people on the right, as they become uh, woke to what's actually happening, like what happened in Afghanistan, are kind of agreeing, going like, well, um, yeah, America this has is the way you run the country, then maybe we are the bad guys. Right, right exactly. So, you know, we it's this really toxic brew. And, and there's folks on the left who, who believe that what's happening, like in the cities and um, it is a good thing, because it, it because they can say, well, this is uh, capitalism, see what capitalism gets you, we need to tear the system down. You know, and we all need to be like, I guess, peasant farmers and equal, you know, equity, equity is the goal. And so we should all be, you know, this is uh, animal farm writ large. Oh, it totally is. So, hey, well, I mean, it, you know, it's it's a totalitarian system is what right. it is. And, right. and they've, you know, they've figured out, well, we're going to weaponize this across the board, economic, political, cultural. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're going to get every institution. We're going to corrupt it. And, you know, we're going to we're then along the way, we're going to demoralize everybody to the point where nobody has ambitions mm -hmm. to try to stand up parallel institutions that compete and beat the crap out of what we have or whatever, you know, and we're just down and down and down. And if all of these right wingers pick up and leave and go to Costa Rica, then great. You know, and after we've after we've gone through the America like a plague of lo locusts, we're mm -hmm. going to then invade Costa Rica. Right, because something might actually I mean, like be that. Working. You know, that is kind of the mentality at work here, and um, it's never successful. The good news is, is that at the end of the day, um, it does get overthrown. Um, you know, I mean that. You know, pretty much every. I mean, I guess Cuba and North Korea are the only truly socialist countries that have that have managed to survive and. That's not even really survival when you think about it. Well, the people are suffering, but the the institution that at the top is surviving with iron fists, you know. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's not going to continue, but the suffering that's going to come as a result of this, if it's not put a stop to soon, is, you know, I mean, it, it breaks your heart just to think about it. So, Well, it's already heartbreaking. We're already seeing families being destroyed and, and suffering due to this. You know, right right in my community, a couple of kids were at a party and thought that they were getting a, you know, a mild, you know, party drug and died of fentanyl poisoning. You know, and they didn't intend to die. They were on their way to college. You know, so this this scourge is affecting um and that's just one part of one thing it's you know it's not it's just one small way that that uh society is being just kind of ripped apart and then the the weird thing is scott is that 
when you talk about like when I go to the public pool here and I'm surrounded by every, you know, it's like the United Nations in my pool where, where, um, because, you know, Texas is a um, minority majority state and it's super diverse and, and everybody gets along and is happy and enjoys each other. And I'm like, um, the division that's being sown is so unnecessary because on a personal individual level, it's not the way that it's portrayed. It's not it, what, what we experience. And I know I'm not the only one, you know, it, it, so like, this has got to stop, but this, this kind of false divide everywhere is it's a small minority on the left who are so insane that they're infecting everything, but they're a powerful minority and it, it's destructive and it's got to stop. And, but it won't if the uh, ways that the election um, is being manipulated continue. Yeah. Because well, there, not there has to be, there have to be negative consequences to these negative actions. And for one of the things these guys have mastered is blocking those consequences. Right. And, well, yeah. you know, and, and like that may be the number one problem that needs to be solved mm -hmm. um, is, is to reimpose the kinds of negative feedback that, um, that used to hold stuff like this at bay. Mm -hmm. You know, but but we we're we're off that track and we're paying for it. So, yeah. well, all right. With that, good luck, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit more of a dour show than we're uh, than we're used to, but this is a week that 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 it's appropriate. Yeah, I. I you know, it's only Tuesday to, doing this, but yeah. it's all bad out there right now. And, we and have that, to acknowledge where we're at, Scott. And the reality yeah. is, is that what is happening to Trump in particular is, has such implications, not just for this guy that so many people hate, but for everyone, for you, me, everyone. And there's too many on the right still, some of you listening right now who hate the man for your various reasons, who, who whether you realize it or not, are inadvertently helping undermine our freedoms and it's got to stop. And the only way to stop it is to acknowledge what's happening and uh, realize that the rule of law needs to apply to everyone, even those who we think are terrible people. And, and so it's, it's got to stop. And yep. so like, and there really hasn't been on the right. And it's because the leadership, like Mitch McConnell, loathes Trump too. So it's that we haven't had these kind of frank discussions about what really is happening and the implications for the same. And so like, because of that, um, there's been kind of weakness coming from the right in, defend, in defending Trump. And it's wrong. We yeah. should be vociferous about it, no matter how you feel about him, because it's it's not, it's not about him. I mean, yeah. he says that and that annoys everybody, even on the right in the elite class. Sure. Well, it is totally about Trump. No, not now it's not. 
And if well, you have do you any think Mitch honesty, you do you think that. Mitch McConnell could withstand the kind of scrutiny that Trump has right. been put under by these prosecutors? Right. right. Him and all of his deals with the Chinese and these other people. Do you really think Mitch McConnell's house is so clean that if somebody wanted to weaponize you know, the, all these laws against McConnell and go after him in front of a DC jury. Do you really think that he could, that he could withstand it? Because I can tell you, there's no way that guy's kitchen's clean enough that he would survive a prosecution like the ones that Trump has been put under. And that, that's what makes me so disgusted with Mitch McConnell and his silence, you know, and if, you know, look, if you're too old and decrepit to actually mount any kind of serious defense of Trump under law and order and principled lines, fine, then shut up. I'm not going to tell you to resign because I don't want Andy Bashir appointing your replacement just yet. Right. But you could at least resign from the leadership of that caucus right. and let somebody with a pulse take over. Yeah. And maybe that's John Cornyn or John Thune or somebody, and it doesn't get better. All right. Yeah. But I'll, like I say over and over again, there's value in the churn. Give somebody right. else an opportunity to prove that they can't do the job because you certainly have. And that, you know, that, I mean, again, this is, this is within the Republican party and within the right, there need to be consequences for bad behavior. And Mitch McConnell, I'm, I'm sorry, this guy has lived on, keeping Merrick Garland off the Supreme Court for far too long when he has done so much more damage with his inaction um, that, you know, I'm sorry. It's just, it, it, it doesn't work. And here we are, we're going to allow a former president with four different, um, four different sets of indi indictments, three of which in hopelessly blue places where he can't, expect a fair trial. Mm -hmm. It's all done politically. These trials are going to be staged to interfere with the presidential election. Mm -hmm. um, everything, everybody understands what a farce this is. The left mm -hmm. actually thinks it's great, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and doesn't even stop to think about the, the, the ramifications of it. Right. And the people on the right are either so demoralized mm -hmm. or um, or are so incensed that they can't make a good plan about what to do in response. And I'll just leave you with this. The number one thing is, is that everybody in the country who thinks that this is BS should boycott Fulton County, Georgia. Absolutely boycott. Coca-Cola has its headquarters there. That's it. No more Coke. Delta Airlines, that's it. No more Delta. And, you know, like, okay, like what's in Atlanta and they don't get our business anymore. And we're going to, we're going to absolutely starve that city and it'll be all Fannie Willis's fault because you're the DA that thought you could go after a former president for protesting an election that may very well have been stolen in your County. And you right. did nothing about it for three years. And now what you are going to do about it is go after a former president for trying to defend his rights. Right. You're not part of an America that I know. So I don't want to have anything to do with you. Right. Yeah. The Fed. So hopefully the Saints beat the shit out of the Falcons twice this year. I'll give you that. <laughs> That's, that would be great. <laughs> the, the Feds, if you, if you, to put it down into like a real thing, 
Imagine the feds coming through your child's underwear drawer. That's what they did to Baron Trump. They, that is how shameless this whole thing is. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It, it, the, the violation, the personal violation, this is mob tactics being used against the, the political enemy of the regime. And how is this not defunded? How is it not defunded? How is this like, okay, that's it. We're zeroing out the office of special counsel. We're not going to fund it. We've seen his works. We've seen the two indictments that he's filed. We find no merit therein. So we're striking it from the funding. Because, and if you want to have a budget yeah. crisis, and if you want to have, fine, we're good with this because we're not funding that. Like, where is that? I've heard Kevin McCarthy make positive noises in that regard. I want action. I right. want a press conference to say, we're announcing today that we are striking all funding for Jack Smith out of the federal budget. It's out. We're, we're, we're packing it off and it's going away. Mm -hmm. So now what are you going to do? You want to shut the government down over this? Our people are for it. And that's where it is. So you're going to back down or you're going to have no money for anything else. Like there is leverage here and right, it needs there to be is. applied. Right. But the Republicans are loath to do it. And look, and if you don't like Trump, like I get it. But here's the thing. Now it starts to look like you don't like your own voters. Right. Well, because they don't, though. I mean, that electorate is like. furious about this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Plenty of people who aren't big Trump fans look at this and say, this is unacceptable in my country. I mean, I can tell you, you know, they go like on and on and on about how Ron DeSantis' campaign has fallen apart. And yeah, there's some problems there. That's not that that's not what this is. No. All of DeSantis' people are were or were Trump people, and they're they're rallying to Trump because they see this going on. There's nothing DeSantis can do about that. There's no market for Trump 2.0 right now because Trump 1.0 needs everybody's help. Right. And they're rallying to him. Period done. That's what it is. Now, this is what the Democrats want because they think Trump 1.0 is easier to beat than Trump 2.0. All right. So you can get into all of those things. But at the end of the day, the principle of this is what matters. And Republican right. voters get it. OK, mm -hmm. they get it. And so right. you can't talk them off of Trump right now because right. the way they see it is he's he's a metaphor as much as he's a man. Mm -hmm. OK, and. This is all about fighting the tyranny that comes out of Washington and comes yeah. out of all these Democrat machine headquarters. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if our representatives and our elected officials that we put in office specifically to fight this stuff don't fight it, okay, then it is the end of American democracy mm -hmm. because half the country is like, no longer invested in it because they think it's a scam. Well, they're disenfranchised because they are. Their votes I mean, aren't counting. They're giving it to them. Right. They're not stupid people. They're going to like, okay, fine. And so then you, then you come in and like, oh, well, what are they going to do about it? Well, I don't know. I don't know. They all own guns. They all pay taxes. I mean, like, which of these things are going to like no longer be uh, operable? You just, you can't operate this way. You can't do it. It's got, well, it's you, clearly you can. 
Uh, they not forever. Not, not forever, forever, though. Yeah, not forever. Well, on that happy note, um, ammo up and uh, <laughs> yep. stock your, your pantry. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so thank you all for listening, like and share, and um, and I appreciate you who are listening to us. We get email from you, and we really do appreciate the feedback that we get from you all and appreciate the growing audience here. So like and subscribe and share. And uh, thank you, Scott. We'll have a, a good week. And, you know, prayer. When nothing else works, pray. So we'll see you next week, folks. <laughs> <laughs>